Welcome to the Steve Reeve Podcast with the best moments from the past week and a few things that didn't make it there. Monday. Some crazy numbers, some crazy facts coming out of there. So two of the top 10 biggest wildfires recorded in California history are currently both burning. At the same time, uh, five people have lost their lives and at least 100,000 people are under evacuation orders as of right now. In Northern California, a lot of it is weather uh, to blame for it. Close to 12,000 lightning strikes over a 72-hour period, not helping things at all. In fact, greatly contributing to the battle. Uh, redwood forests have been torched. Historical redwood forests have been have been decimated in areas. Homes have been torched. The air is starting to become toxic in areas. Uh, nearly 14,000 firefighters are working, but they're fighting more than, this is insane to me, 585 active fires in that state. Good news. Good news time. Reinforcements are starting to arrive. Uh, you know, they have to be extra cautious as California is the state that has had the largest number of overall COVID cases in the U.S. And the U.S. is leading the entire world as far as COVID cases go. So, I mean, there's added uh, precaution to be put into this. But bottom line is the fires have to be fought. And I do believe without hearing any official information, I do believe that uh, we will answer the call much like we were helped out greatly, uh, specifically in 2016 in our area. Uh, we're going to see the verse of that and people heading from our area and from Canada down into California. I'm pretty sure of it. Just an extra couple of hurdles to jump over this year. That was the day that the Oilers were uh, eliminated from the series and the day that we found out that the pot went to $15.2 million on the 50-50. Now that has changed a little bit. They said last week that they were finally coming to the end on refunding some of the people who said, yeah, you know what? I was done dirty by your, your glitchy system. I want my money back. They did that to the tune of almost $900,000. So essentially a million dollars has been taken off of the uh, the pot. So the 50-50 is now 50 to the uh, house and then 50 of $14.3 million to the winner. And they say that the draw is actually going to be taking place this week. Feel like I've been talking about this forever. Broken record style. Uh, and actually putting it into the numbers, it sounds like a lot when you take a million dollars off of it, but really that amounts to only 6% of the original pot being dropped off of there. I'd still be extremely happy with half of $14.3 million. Thank you very much. And I do accept free coffees and free boats, too. James Blunt developed scurvy. No joke, although not any time recently. He didn't join the ranks of like a merry pirate ship sailing the high seas. He just ate nothing but meat for two months while in university in the 1990s because some of his classes had a lot of women in them and he needed to assert his masculinity. This is what he says himself in a recent podcast. Uh, then a doctor prescribed him daily orange juice and things got better except for that he developed a little acid reflux. This is a real story. A real stupid one um now jack sherman a former red hot chili peppers guitarist has unfortunately met his end he has died he was uh, a guitarist who replaced a founding member hillel who unfortunately died himself due to a heroin overdose uh but jack sherman uh was you know not tied to the band for too long but was on their debut album unfortunately no cause of death has been provided but thoughts are with him and his family and that's it for music news for this morning you're listening to the Steve Reeve Podcast, Podcast. from 100.5 Cruise FM. Why is Foreigner called Foreigner? 
I've got a story for you. Back in the mid-70s, an English musician named Mick Jones was in America, and he was playing with the Leslie West Band, but the band dissolved. So suddenly, this Brit was stranded in New York City. The manager of the dissolved band, a man named Bud Prager, he encouraged this Englishman to stick around and keep playing. During jamming sessions, Jones met a guitarist named Ian McDonald, and together, they auditioned nearly 50 vocalists before targeting American Lou Graham after hearing an old Black Sheep album. So this trio then got to the music with some other musicians from the States and from England, and they put together a demo. But they weren't foreigner. They called themselves Trigger. I guess Jones definitely knew what uh, country he was in, but the name was already taken, so to turn these demos into hits, the band decided to call themselves Foreigner. Because no matter where they rolled up to rock an audience in the world, they would be foreigners there. Strangers in strange lands. And it kind of worked out for them. Uh, Their debut self-titled album, released March 1977, sold more than 4 million copies down south in the States and stayed on the top 20 for an entire year. Not bad. Hear me out. Edmonton's Ice District, back in March, they unveiled a wood-carved statue of Bob and Doug McKenzie, Canadian icons, hose heads, partly to commemorate the fact that SCTV was filmed in Edmonton back in the day, but also partly just to be totally cool. Um, But then, uh, if you were paying attention earlier in August, you might have seen that Hope BC, they revealed their beefy wood-carved Rambo statue, because the movie First Blood was filmed there back in 1982. Uh, By the way, Sylvester Stallone absolutely loves it. How could you not? This thing is jacked. It's in charge. But I'm here to propose that Fort McMurray needs and deserves their own wood-carved statue. Who would be the subject of this, though? None other than Terry and Dean from FUBAR, or more specifically, set and filmed in Fort McMurray, FUBAR 2. In 2002, one motion picture took the world by storm, inspiring a generation. Now, in 2010... Terry and Deaner are back. I still remember going to our local movie theater that you can no longer see movies at because it was from a time gone by and watching FUBAR 2 amidst all of the people from Fort McMurray who were just as excited to watch FUBAR 2. So, what about the statue situation? I think we can legitimately make this happen. Specifically because... I know that those those guys, Terry and Dean, they're still active. And more importantly than that, I've actually spoken to the artist who created the Rambo statue for Hope BC because he's from Edmonton, Alberta. And I inquired as to how much it would cost. You know, just a just a ballpark quote to get these two statues done of Terry and Dean are wood carved and what that would look like. I have the dollar amount quoted in my head now. I have learned this information and I'm quite surprised to find out that I think it's pretty affordable, especially if we all chip in together. So what do you think? Should we actually make this into a legitimate campaign for a Terry and Dean wood-carved statue right here in Fort McMurray? I need to hear from you. Tuesday. Nearly 4,000 rejections in a one-year period from Ontario. This 31-page document has some great stuff in there. They have had so many rejections in the year that was last recorded that they had to break it up into categories. Full-on categories. I'm talking about abusive, obscene language, and derogatory slang is one of them. Makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Another category, clarity and readability, meaning you can't just choose... Oh zero oh zero oh zero oh zero oh. Um, not really gonna work out. Drugs and alcohol is another category. I mean, not a great mix with vehicles anyway. 
Human rights discrimination is another one that probably makes that makes the most sense. Uh, political figures, dignitaries, and law enforcement officials—a surprisingly large number of these, actually. Um, religion. Don't worry, your evangelical bumper sticker still works, so you're still good. Uh, sexual and eliminatory functions. <laughs> uh, violence and criminal activity is another category as well, which I mean, it's just fair. Bringing me to some of my favorite rejections. This is the Hall of Fame for this year. Uh, I guess you can't get FK COVID nineteen. That one's not going to go for you. Uh, Dank Dad was rejected this year. Uh, OK Boomer was also rejected. OK, come on. Come on. All right, fine. You can you can block that one. Um, Sober AF was one that was uh, blocked this year. I got to say, good. Uh, even if that was allowed, wise of them to just say no, because that person is they don't know what they're doing to themselves. If I was wearing a badge, I have to imagine that if I saw a license plate that said Sober AF, that would be the first person I would be pulling over. And lastly, the Hall of Fame rejected license plate for 2020, Moistly. KFC is, well, I, I caution using the word retiring, but they are pausing, they're pulling, they're stopping, for now, their classic slogan of finger licking good. Yeah, finger looking good. I mean, it's been uh, used for years. It's been uh, poked fun at in pop culture. It's been a staple of that company, even though they have absolutely radically changed their marketing campaign. But the reason, as you can probably guess, is that it doesn't quite seem to fit in the time of pandemic. Yeah, telling people to lick their fingers and then touch things. Probably, like, not the best. Doesn't seem to quite fit, which is why they made this decision. They do say for now, they even put out a video on uh, on a YouTube page that has, like, shots of classic KFC uh, signage with the words finger lick. Can uh, edit it out, censor barred out, so it's, it looks kind of awkward. But you know, make no mistake, this is a PR move more than anything else. They're absolutely trying to get people to talk about them. So let's change up the game and actually come up with a slogan that a generic fried chicken company could use. Now, okay, cl- let's make this clear: we're not making a slogan for any existing company for legal reasons to save my own butt. But what we're gonna do is come up with some slogans for a generic fried chicken chain, like. Neoprene glove licking good, right? Right? Thought of that one out of nowhere. That's right off the top of my head. Um, Oil-covered birds that won't make you sad. Okay, okay, well, this workshop, but let's keep going. Um, If you don't like chicken, you can get the hell out. It's a little forceful, but it does get the message across. Um, How about eat out of a bucket and don't even bat an eye the inherent gluttony of such a food delivery system? A little bit wordy, so uh, how about take your hunger and bucket, right? To be fair... Eating fried chicken out of a bucket, one of the greatest experiences of life. And uh, you know what? Honestly, the best, best possible slogan for this generic fried chicken company, if Nike didn't already have it, is just do it. I mean, it's the very phrase that that part of your brain that gives into temptation whispers. Hey, Alexa, play the Steve Reeve podcast. Uncle Eddie Vedder made a guest appearance on Lily Cornell's mental health show, Mind Wide Open, uh, recently in one of the most recent episodes you can find online. The Pearl Jam icon took some time. He opened up about Chris Cornell um, and the lessons and wisdom that he shared in life. Uh, They also got into it about loss, empathy, activism, a whole lot more. They even touched on the tragic event in 2000 where nine fans were killed at a Pearl Jam concert under a crushed stage. And what that means, uh, what that uh, feels like as one of the performers on stage, to deal with that and move on. Very, very, very touching stuff. Um, Moving on to Record Store Day. It's the first of three Record Store Days, actually. And uh, Warner Records has announced some exclusives for Saturday, August 29th. It's coming up quick. You're going to have brand new exclusive music from the Gorillas and from the Black Keys and from a whole lot more. Plus, 
Then two more dates on the calendar that I'm not sure of the exact date of, but they'll come in before we hit 2021 with more goodies coming. That is music news for this morning. An idea discussed for many, many years is one step closer to actually becoming real. Steve Reeve with you. Learn to fly from Foo Fighters right there, but we're not talking about flying. We're talking about staying right here on the ground. Looks like a monorail between Edmonton and Calgary is picking up steam, and we all know how good a monorail can be for communities. I've sold monorails to Brockway, Ogdenville, and North Haverbrook, and by gum it put them on the map. <laughs> but uh, Lyle Landley isn't the guy trying to sell it. Uh, apparently there's uh, a plan. Now, not exactly like taxpayer money's been offered or, 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 or promised. It's more like there's a plan to build a thousand kilometer magnetic duo monorail link between those two cities with Transpod, the company doing the construction and putting the bill of like six to eight billion dollars and the province simply saying, we're going to help you try and figure out a route, expedite anything that needs to go through legal channels and try and help that way. Uh, you know, uh, not like uh, anything's being given as a handout, more just like, you know, a true partnership. But then it's got me questioning, okay, great, yeah, 30 minutes between Calgary and Edmonton when it only really takes you two and a half hours anyway, that's doable in a day trip. You don't need to worry about getting business done if that's all it's going to take. However, isolated Fort McMurray, five hours to the north. Okay, four more like now that we've got a twinned highway. But still, hours to the north, I think we need ourselves a monorail. If it's going to cost six to eight billion dollars to do the one between Edmonton and Calgary, probably more like a twelve billion dollar plan. So I get why people might be a little bit hesitant to do it. But can you imagine getting to Edmonton in an hour? Wednesday. We've got actor John Holliday being cast as Chris Cornell in a biopic titled Black Days. The film is set to explore the early years of Cornell's life and into his life as the Soundgarden frontman. Media outlet Pitchfork reported that the Cornell estate has not sanctioned or approved this project, however. John Lennon would have been celebrating his 80th birthday this year, and for the occasion, 36 songs from his solo career were selected by family members and enhanced from scratch for a new collection titled Gimme Some Truth, The Ultimate Mixes, presented as The Ultimate Listening Experience. Compilation is due to be out October 9th. The Prince of Darkness sent out some pro-mask energy in a recent interview on his satellite radio channel. He encouraged wearing masks where relevant and to practice physical distancing. He essentially said that... Anything Donald Trump says, Ozzy does the opposite. He changes, <laughs> changes his mind, mind every, every hour. He does, yeah. I mean, literally, I'm going, what? There's work being done on vaccines around the world for this COVID thing. Of course, we're no strangers to having vaccines around. Um, but I wonder about those people who have that legit, uh, irrational, and deep fear of needles and how, how you guys are doing thinking about this constantly. I'm feeling for you. I really am, because that's probably how it's going to have to go down when vaccine time does come around. Should you elect to get yourself one, probably going to be the needle in the arm. That's my guess, anyway, my non-scientific guess. Uh, but it can be a very, very real fear for people. Uh, I remember, you know, the school years, getting those vaccines done, and just the freakout that would happen in the hallways. We'll get into that just a little bit, but actually what I wanted to talk about is how ridiculous it is, that, and it's the reason they call it irrational, when people with tattoos are afraid of needles. It just kind of tickles me just a little bit. I'm like, you do realize that to get a tattoo, it's a needle that goes in and out of your skin faster than the eye can see, right? Like hundreds of times, thousands of times, depending on how big the tattoo is, and yet one little and you're done. Feels like you got punched in the arm. Too much? Sometimes it is. Are you afraid of needles? 
Let me know. 780-715-CRUISE. And how are you coping right now? Are you spending your, your uh, pandemic uh, off time trying to get used to needles, trying to like kind of get yourself out of it, face it? Maybe watching some YouTube videos is the only way that I could even imagine you could do that without actually getting your hands on some needles. Weird. Next person that looks at your history is going to raise an eyebrow for sure. Thanks for listening to the Steve Reeve Podcast from 100.5 Cruise FM. Talking about vaccines, there's been so much talk about it this year. It's got to be a little bit stressful for those who have that legit phobia of needles. I apologize. I know. I'm playing on it right now. I'm doing it to you. That's the worst. I remember back in school, like, I mean, you know, I've had some vaccine experiences as an adult, but like back in school is when the memories were actually made and there'd be chaotic, chaotic moments. I mean, kids were just, not all of them, some were fine. I we got anxious about it, sure. The worst part for me is, and again, this is not the news that the people who hate needles want to hear, but it's not so much the puncture that gets me, it's the... Uh, the opposite. It's when the needle's coming out and the skin kind of sticks with it for a second. You see that the skin looks like it should never look and then back to normal, except for with a little bit of pain. Um, I remember kids would be freaking out, though, just in the lineup leading to it. They'd get kind of led off into a, a secondary office just to the side, just ahead, but all the kids in line can still hear what's going on, so one kid freaks out, everybody in line is just immediately on edge. I mean, heck, there were kids when I was growing up that were afraid of the eye exams in school, let alone the needles. You know what I mean? Like, they'd be like, listen for the, uh, the, the, the other kids reciting the big E and then the letters as they get smaller and smaller and just memorizing them so that they could recite them t- to the, the tech instead of actually having to be like, Mom, Dad, I need glasses. Oh, man, we were, we were a little bit ridiculous. But what is your phobia? Is it needles? And if so, how, how can I help? Can we talk through this? If not, what are you afraid of? Mr. Roboto from Styx right here, 100.5 Cruise FM, the song that brought Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto, into the global lexicon. Styx! Styx, the ultimate. Uh, that song written by Dennis DeYoung for the concept album, Kilroy Was Here. If you have never listened or read up on it, this album is so weird. Okay, so this is the actual plot to the storyline of the album. Uh, a rock and roller named Robert Odin Charles Kilroy, or Rock for short, gets thrown into a super sci-fi prison that is meant for rock and roll misfits. The bad guys of the story, a concerned community group called Majority for Musical Morality, founded by Dr. Righteous. Yeah, that's the actual name. Uh, the Roboto is a class of automaton that works in the prison, and Kilroy manages to get his hands on one, strip it, and wear the metal shell to make a prison break happen. Then once he's free, Kilroy takes off the mask and violates COVID protocol. I mean, sorry, reveals that he is actually Kilroy by yelling his own name a whole bunch. You just heard it. The robot costume in the video and on the album cover, incidentally, designed by Stan Winston of Jurassic Park fame. Interesting. Oh, and the Japanese at the beginning of the song translates to Thank you very much, Mr. Roboto. Until the day we meet again. Thank you very much, Mr. Mr. Roboto. I want to know your secret. Well, the secret is, you're not going to be able to meet him again. You just hollowed out his insides, dude. That's kind of how that works. Weird album. Good, though. Thursday talking about this brokini invention couple of toronto boys bros really uh they invented this one over the shoulder strapped uh well it's kind of a banana hammock sort of situation but it does have full brief legs and it's kind of fully a bathing suit sort of doesn't exactly leave a ton to the imagination 45 dollars a pop will get you one you can order it right now i mean if if you felt so inclined question though for you what is the most ridiculous thing that you have ever worn in public this might take the cake should you order one but for now 
what takes the cake? What is on top of the list? Um, from my own history, from my own memory, I remember uh, a lot of weird costumes, especially, I mean, not just limited to Halloween, but but in high school, there was some talent shows and air bands and just moments. I remember wearing a sumo suit at one point, uh, building cardboard robot outfits and wearing them in front of everybody. I've dressed up as Batman more times than I care to admit, uh, but probably the most ridiculous thing that I have ever actually worn in public is a skin-tight Taylor Swift suit, specifically one from a music video from a few years ago. The music video dropped, like, I think three days before a Halloween party, and immediately I set to work. In the video, she's wearing this skin-tight Cybertronic kind of thing, and so I decided, well, get some skin-tight clothes and... Uh, glue some glow sticks to it. Why not? And it worked out really well, except for a couple of the glow sticks actually uh, melted and started leaking onto me. I don't know if that stuff is all that healthy, but it said non-toxic on the packaging. Um, and speaking of packaging, I was then, after the Halloween party, brought aside by one of my theater friends. They informed me of this invention called a dancer's belt. If you aren't familiar with what a dancer's belt is for... Basically, it's so that you can be on stage jumping around and not be looking like a slow-motion scene out of Baywatch, you know what I mean? Not be showing off every single bit of the twig and the berries. So, for anyone in attendance in that party, I apologize. The Killers' next, next album is already in the works. The Las Vegas Rockers, who have now moved out of Las Vegas, have released their sixth studio album, Imploding the Mirage, last week. However, while promoting that album, frontman Brandon Flowers told music news outlet NME, Every time someone makes a record, they say they have 50 songs and they're going to release another record. We really are. We're going to release another one in about 10 months. We've already gone back to the studio. Very interesting. The Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, where Smash Mouth found headline attention again for performing at an event that was looking to take in about uh, 150 to 200,000 people over the course of its, uh, its uh, several days, has now been found to have caused over 100 COVID-19 cases directly connected to those in attendance. And the tragically hit peaked curiosity with ease after a recent social media post featuring a photo of guitarist Rob Baker and the caption, Stay Tuned. Maybe they're just trying to give us an exercise in patience for the Oilers draw that is still outstanding. And that is your music news for this morning. Friday. From the Reddit, T-I-F-U. Today I messed up. Uh, now, it's actually not from today, though, and they prefaced that at the beginning of the story, but this is just posted in the last day and has been getting all kinds of awards on the site because it's just such a great story. So let me preface that this is back in the day when Grand Theft Auto San Andreas was around as a video game. And this young lad, while he was younger, decided, well, he's in a religious household. They wouldn't tolerate that kind of media being brought into it. So they snuck it in and apparently had one TV that had one VCR that could connect to the PlayStation. So they would play the game in the basement, kind of on the down low. Now there's a there's a little trick where if you don't have access to the cheat codes, you can kind of go to a strip club in that game and just stand by where people are throwing their money at the stage and collect that money automatically. So if you were to leave the game running while standing in place and go and do something else, you might be able to come back to a game where you've got tons of cash to spend on whatever crazy, violent, exaggerated things you get to do in that game, right? Again, I preface... This is a religious household. So they decide when they're offered to go out to the hut for some za, they're going to say, oh, yeah, let's leave it on. And when we come back after we have some dinner, it's going to be in a great position. Problem is, they went off with mom to the restaurant. Dad was out singing in a gospel concert, comes back home to transfer the handheld camcorder footage of said concert onto a VHS ta a cassette. 
the game is still running in the background. So they get a phone call at the restaurant and they know that something is up. And when they get home, they find dad sitting in the basement, all but basically like smoking a, a cigar in the dark, waiting to get them in trouble. And the worst part is, is as he's trying to explain to them how this is a horrifying example of something that should never be in the house. What does he do? He goes and presses a button on the controller, which causes the character of the video game to swing a punch wildly, injuring somebody at this virtual club, which causes the bouncers and security guards at the club to open fire maliciously. And when all is said and done, and the main character has been wasted and wakes up at the hospital, here's the part where I'm just going to quote directly from the Reddit post. My entire family stands in silence watching together. My mother is weeping silently into her hand. I look at my dad as a single tear rolls down his cheek and he prays under his breath. After another eternity of silence without a word, my dad bends down, disconnects the PlayStation, walks back to the family computer, disconnects it, goes to his car, and drives away. And for the next four months, the PS2 and PC were kept locked in his office at work. Tell me about the time that you were in big trouble when you were a kid. Bill and Ted face the music finally out today. And with a title like that and the previous two jam-filled movies behind it, of course, expectations are high for a solid soundtrack. New music on the album, which was also released today, comes from Weezer, Lamb of God, Fiddler, and Mastodon. And it's got to be pretty uh, heavy metal shreddy in my uh, estimation. Music Cares is holding a charity auction for COVID-19 relief with donated items and music history artifacts donated from uh, a number of artists, from Elton John to Barbara Streisand, from Taylor Swift to Billie Eilish. The auction is going to be going live on September 9th, online only, of course. And this week marked the final installment of Metallica's Monday Retrospective Concert Series. Well, they weren't just trying to give us something to do on Mondays during the pandemic. They were also raising funds for Feeding America and Direct Relief through their own charity called All Within My Hands. Uh, over the course of the 23 shows, the band raised over $118,000 USD. And that's it for your music news this Friday morning. It's a crazy time that we're living in right now, uh, and that really doesn't even begin to cover it. Uh, it's just never been a time quite like this, even though we're definitely seeing echoes of, of other times gone by uh, coming back again. Um, there's, there's, the sports is, is, is currently just uh, after spending so much time and effort trying to get things back on track, just putting things on pause in a big way. NHL says all games now postponed uh, until Saturday, uh, tomorrow, uh, giving a little bit of a breathing room. The NBA now potentially, uh, there's there's some talk at least about like basically postponing the rest of the entire season, just saying, no, no, enough is enough. It's been too weird of a year, and not just because of the pandemic, but because of the civil rights issues that are going on. Um, it was four years ago, nearly to the day when Colin Kaepernick uh, took a knee, famously the first knee. Now, he was actually doing a silent protest prior to that it was august 26th that he first sat down on the bench during the national anthem at a packers 49ers preseason game then uh the headlines started to come around and pay attention a little bit but uh, it wasn't until the end of august in 2016 that uh, an ex-green beret named nate boyer suggested he kneel rather than sit as a form of peaceful protest so right before the september 1st 2016 game Kaepernick kneeled before a road game against the Chargers saying he'd donate a million dollars to organizations who were supporting his aims, and that's where that began. The rest, as they do say, is history, but speaking of history, today marks a bit of an occasion. Um, it is the 57th anniversary of Martin Luther King's March on Washington, and if it seems bizarre to think that four years ago... 
protests that started peaceful at that time and have definitely grown to be something more than peaceful today because the peaceful protests didn't seem to really do anything. Um, it, it, it's wild to think that four years is that much of a difference in time. What about 57 years? And there are people that are gathering to march in Washington in the thousands today uh, with the Get Your Knees Off Our Necks march. That is the official name of it, as uh, as was coined uh, you know, months ago. Um, it's 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 unfortunate that there is so much uh, discrepancy in 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 the in certain cases of law enforcement, and it's become an obvious trend. And it's easy to dismiss certain aspects of it with with ridiculous arguments about things that people have done in the past, previous charges, what they were up to. If if you don't do the crime, then you don't have anything to worry about. And it's just, well, I don't know if the force that we've seen in certain cases with many, many names is absolutely anywhere near the uh, appropriate amount. But it's up to, you know, not just the people that are out there at that march today, but the generations ahead to continue to put the pressure on. And I don't think we're going to see the pressure die off anytime soon. I really don't. And I don't think we're going to see another 57 years with another march going, what were we doing back in the 60s? I think change is going to start happening. And if it feels unfamiliar, it's because it's never really been able to be uh, done in the past, in the in the hundreds of years that America's been around, and and us up to the north too. I mean, we are a different country, but we're tied together. We're neighbors and we're partners. It's a very strange time, and uh, I hope that today's march is is a powerful thing. And I do certainly hope, and I've seen in the evidence in the video that people are do, taking serious precautions when it comes to the pandemic. I've seen just about every single person in footage from that march wearing masks. There's hand sanitizing stations. People are being encouraged to get tested and to uh, self isolate afterwards. And these are steps that are extremely important at the same time the marches too transmission over one more steve new podcast episodes happen every friday or just tune into the steve reeve show weekday morning starting at 5 30 a.m on 100.5 cruise fm